0: Undefeated A&M, UT loses, and Rice and Houston are on the rise on today's Collegiate Club Focus TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, and Joe Linehan is on the Skype machine. How are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm in North Texas, so yeah, I am no longer at a FedEx office next to LAX. Airplane, that was good so. fun. Yeah, you could it was almost like being in air traffic control last week. That was good times. There you go.
1: But um, no, yeah, they had their first Collegiate Club games this past weekend.
0: Well, so the big tournament actually crossover. We've uh, put up a couple pieces on txwaterpolo.com that covered what was going on, but the big news of the weekend was uh, A&M's performance, um, your alma mater. I'm sure you'll be happy to chime in about that. And uh, we're going to hear from Kinley Foster, the captain of that team, uh, in the next segment. Uh, uh, but their team did some damage this weekend. They um, they went 4-0, obviously, but the really the big win was over UT um UT has not lost a division game since 2009. So A&M defeated them 6 to 5 and they are now 8 and 0 oh, and uh, because of that because they're in the West division, West bracket I guess they call it, is that they have earned the top seed already for the district champ or the uh, the uh, Texas Division Championships in a couple weeks time. So um a, a pretty uh, some interesting news, finally, from this division, which has been dominated largely by UT over the past few years.
1: Well, I think it's been dominated by UT and A&M. I mean, they've been one and two pretty much for the last 25 years.
0: So, so teams, the, the other teams you could fairly say were, you know, newcomers. They weren't quite as strong. Um, but now that's even changing as well, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Rice is stepping up a little bit, and they have a good group. Every now and then, like, you know, Rice steps up every now and then. Uh, UH, U of H has a has a pretty good club team. I know there's been teams that have just popped up for a year or two, like you know SMU and TCU, Baylor, Trinity. so but there's a there's a, there's a very strong base of a Texas division we are within this we are within the CWPA for those that don't know, the CWPA is the Collegiate Water Polo Association. They pretty much run um, the Collegiate Club teams from around the country. And essentially, the guys play in the fall. The women play in the spring. They're split up into different divisions from around the country. Um, The one here in Texas is called the Texas Division. And they all play a slate of of tournaments. It's, It's normally three or four in each division. And then the champion gets to kind of represent that division at the national championship, the CWPA Collegiate Club National Championship. It's either the first or second weekend of November each year. That's for good the to men, know. And then in
0: the first weekend
1: of May for the women. So
0: I, I'm glad you said so, because I know it's in Pittsburgh, but I could not find the date for it on any calendar. That's, that's not a good sign, but so yeah. So whoever wins the division and, and, and it does include, um, Louisiana state as well. Um, yeah. so the, and the teams are A&M, Texas, Rice, Baylor, Houston, LSU, Texas tech, and Texas state. That's this year's, um, yeah. those are this year's standings. And by the way, that's the order of, um, ranking according to our own, uh, our own, our own users who uh, have, there's a, there's a poll that we placed online a couple of days ago that allows you to rank them by just dragging and dropping them. So give that a check out or check that out if you haven't done so already. So, um and we also had two pieces on rice and houston again you know houston is now boasting uh, an improved roster one of the main reasons is because daniel laverne who has been playing at cal baptist for a few years has transferred to houston for his either his senior year or starting grad school i don't recall but uh you know he was a very high quality player before he left the state of texas he went and played out at cal baptist and now he's at houston
1: yeah he's uh I remember coaching him yeah, way back in my Houston water Pool club days right. and he played for the Woodlands high school and always a, always a strong uh, left-handed player. And, um, yeah. And I've heard he's doing a good job. So it's good.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, Rice has got a couple players. One is a uh, apparently one of the most uh, cheerful goalkeepers of all time. His name is Robert Edell from from Germany. Um, and uh, I guess behind that smile, he's also got some talent because uh, uh, as you'll hear from Kinley Foster a little bit later, you know he he's he's somebody who can really hit the high corners.
1: Good. Good yeah. and for those and for those that don't know, you know, Collegiate Club. It is. Um, it's it's a club sport. It's, uh, it's normally sponsored by the Department of Recreational Sports at, at each of these schools. Um, and they're more than not self-funded and self-coached by the athletes. Right. A few of them will have some coaches that will be on the pool doggy, either volunteer or a small stipend. But, um, you know, the like like the collegiate clubs like A&M and UT have been strong, you know, from year to year. But every collegiate club is only going to be as good as their student leadership. And, you know, and, you know, the teams that are doing well kind of normally have very strong student leadership. The teams that are on the rise, um, yeah, like they might have some good young uh, people in the program that, that, yeah, that really want to see it go well. I know I like I haven't played collegiate club. yeah, kind of way back in the day. Um, I actually went to A&M and my freshman year. We had eight guys on the water polo team eight total people. And I actually ended up having to be a player coach beginning my freshman year. (laughs) And uh, I actually still, I, I still remember organizing my first cross country trip the flight the fall of my freshman year with no That's internet cool. and no cell phone.
0: That so. sounds about right. I could see the 18-year-old Joe Linehan being the chief organizer for a collegiate club yeah. water polo team. Well done. There you go.
1: There you yeah. go. Yes. Well, and uh, but no it was I mean it was a lot of fun. I probably would not have gotten in yeah, as gotten as involved in the sport as far as coaching and administration if I didn't do the the collegiate club route. So. Right.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about that program and then sort of the teams in Texas in general because so A&M was prior to Austin College the last school in the state of texas that had a varsity program and were, would um pretty regularly complete at national championships out in california every year but ceased operations i think in 78 was the last year so after that then clearly there is still demand for the game on campus do you what do you know about how that club was formed and then how the entire state of texas became its own division over time well i mean uh, i just you know yeah like AM
1: and ut played at a at a certain level for of varsity level back in the 70s and then those programs were dropped in late 70s and early 80s but then kids were still there they still wanted to play so you know the collegiate club starters yeah just started forming and basically in the 80s and in uh, in in the in the, of the 90s these teams were basically uh men's teams and there were and yeah, and yeah and there'd be some women sprinkled in here and there um, they would, uh, like, you know, like, uh, they play two or three different tournaments in the fall, two or three different tournaments in the spring. Um, and they play as much as they can. They would do their own, they would do their own fundraisers. Um, I know A&M for the longest time, they actually were involved in doing the stadium cleanup after, oh, uh, after I remember A&M that. home, after A&M home football games. That's right. That stopped happening about 10 years ago, but they did that for probably 30 plus years. And I still remember having to get up nice and early at 7 a.m. the day after a home football game, and being oh, out there, and it was, uh, and that was, it was more important to go to stadium cleanup
0: than to practice. Yeah, but I'm sure that was also educational to have to oh, do that. On the day after. Uh,
1: but it would, it would uh, take four or five hours. We, uh, we were, we, we got pretty good at it. Um, but um, but you know, and everybody did their own sorts of the of the fundraising, and then there was a bunch of us that got together back in the, um, in the mid nineties with Dan Sheridan from the CWPA. Uh, and we formed something called this, like the Southwest division of the CWPA, which included Arizona state and the university of Arizona, Colorado and Colorado state, AM and m and UT. Um, it was, that was the first time that, that, you know, we were part of the CWPA, and that was my last year at A&M. And we got to compete at, the national championship, A&M, I think went, and the University of Arizona went, um, and we competed at the national championship in Evanston uh, uh, at the University or at Northwestern. Yeah. So, and uh, was it? Um, and yeah, and yeah, and yeah, and that was a lot of fun. But you know, and then it slowly grew, and eventually, just more teams started playing in Texas, um, and then they broke off and started having their own Texas division. Um, and it, and then eventually they started adding women, and then a lot of these schools also have their own women's programs now. Um, and they started the women's kind of kind of Texas division, and A&M and uh, and UT have pretty much dominated the women's side of things too.
0: So. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the, those teams will be playing in a couple weeks' time in Rice at the uh, at the Texas Division Championships this coming weekend. There's an East Region crossover where uh, apparently UT and A&M switch divisions every year in order to just sort of balance things out. So this year. AM is considered the West and UT is considered the East, but UT will be there with Rice and with uh, Houston to see who comes out on top and will earn the second seed, from my understanding, since AM is already done. But that takes place in a couple of weeks, and the winner of that goes to Pittsburgh in, the, in November. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, we'll hear from Texas AM's Kinley Foster next. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads
1: for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the
2: sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast.
0: James Smith, I'm online right now with Kinley Foster, who's the captain of the Texas A&M Men's Collegiate Club water polo team. How are you? Doing good, man. How are y'all? Congratulations. You, uh, What class did you just get out of, by the way?
2: Oh, I just got out of um, my 380 lab, which is computer-aided manufacturing. So we were learning how to use like a
0: CNC mill. Oh, so just a little light load at AM going. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No well, that, that's that's something that I'd be interesting to talk about because the the workload at, at a place like A and M is just so <laughs> interesting to say the least, but uh, yeah. but difficult would be another way of putting it. But um, so Kinley is the captain of the AM team. Your team had a really really a historic weekend in college station this last weekend. Yes, uh, you went four and You uh, beat U T. How are you and the team feeling after your four and record?
2: Uh, like there's still work to be done, man. Um, you know, those guys are never to be slept on. Uh, they're a really good team. And every time we beat them, they always come back hitting harder. So, uh, we're going to have practice starting today and running through the next couple of weeks till conference, really trying to, uh, keep the intensity up. You know, we're not satisfied with the win during the regular season. We want, we want conference.
0: Right, and, and you, you're you not just 4-0 and over the weekend. You're 8-0 and in the regular season. You're the only undefeated team in the division. Um, the, the, the rivalry that you have with UT is obvious, and obviously it's a long-standing one as well. But did you, with, with your match with them this weekend, did it have any special meaning for you guys? Um, it was, this year is, is a big year for us because it's the first year we're running
2: everything without a coach. Um, and we're all, we're, we're really letting, uh, like myself and my VP and our other officers were really running everything. And, um, so this was kind of a big test for us to see how all of our work up to this point has been doing, you know, has, has kind of helped the team, uh, get ready to play Texas and, you know, everybody else in the conference. And so, uh, I was saying earlier, um, teamwork is really kind of what got us through the game. And so, it was a good gauge of how well we've been doing at practice and all the work that everybody's been putting in. So, yeah, we were really looking forward to it Um, and it's a great benchmark to go uh, into practice for the next couple of weeks. So now we know what we can do right and what we need to work on until conference.
0: And it sounds like a lot of the work that you've been doing recently is defensive because you came away with a win over UT, which has a pretty prolific scoring threat. Uh, final score six to five. Um, was that your intention uh, at the before the game was to to hopefully shut them down defensively?
2: Yeah, man, they uh, they have some really good guys on that team. All anybody on that team uh, can put the ball in the cage from pretty much any position. And so we've, we've played these guys for a couple years now, so we know they're all threats, but, uh, time and time again, you know, they're always doing something new to kind of throw us off. So yeah, this year we, uh, we came out swinging on offense and tried to keep control of the game. Every time we had the lead, um, our VP, my VP, uh, Michael, uh, one of our players, Lewandowski, he balled out. He was really, um, trying to lock down their set player, uh, and he did, I don't think he scored at all that game. So that was a big, um, contribution, you know? And, uh, since we had the lead in the beginning, uh, we kind of just were like, hey guys, defense first, uh, play smart ball. If we get a good opportunity on offense, convert, uh, otherwise just kind of keep our foot on the pedal and,
0: and, uh, hold, hold control of the game. Right. You mentioned Lewandowski. He's a Jersey village guy. Uh, th- Give us a little flavor for the composition of the team overall. Um, I'm, I can only assume that the, the majority are from Texas, but maybe you have some from out of state. What, where, Are, are there sort of uh, general geographies where these people come from, or is it just all over the state?
2: Yeah, well, so um, a lot of the guys on our uh, A-team roster are from Houston. We got a handful from Dallas, and uh, actually one guy, uh, a new guy who's a grad student this year named Juan, uh, he's from Columbia— And so, yeah, we got guys from all over the place, really. And, like, we got guys from Chicago, uh, Australia, um, Detroit, all on the B team. And so, you know, we have a a big, diverse group of uh, players and play styles. You know, they're all pulling from, you know, overseas. So, like, a lot of them are kind of learning some new things while they're playing here. But they're also teaching us a lot of new techniques and tricks and stuff. So, it's a... it's actually pretty fun at practice cuz you know we're we're keeping it fresh.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. You um so uh, you mentioned a a, team, a a player from overseas and um, you and I discussed a little bit earlier about how Houston and Rice are two teams that are trying to topple the top 2. You know, you and UT are typically vying yes, right. for that top spot. And uh we know that the team from Rice actually features a couple of international players. I mean, you've had a chance to go against them. How wh- what would you say about those two teams that uh that might surprise some people?
2: Um they have shooters and they have really good goalies, both of them. Uh the the Rice team with their uh their goalie Robert, I think is his name, uh from Germany. He's a splendid guy and a splendid goalie. He's got great legs and he's always um he's always blocking the top corners. Uh, so, you know, you always like typically when you're, when you're ripping shots and you're trying to aim for the corners, right. But he's covering those up. So you kind of have to change your game plan. Uh, and Logan Wien, the goalie at U of H is kind of the same deal. He's got great legs. And so he's pretty explosive. So, um, both those teams, you kind of have to, uh, be conscious of where you're shooting. You can't just go through the motions and try and hit top corners every time you got to, Uh, you know, fake out the goalies a little more, go for some donuts or underarms and things like that. Um, And in terms of field players, they both have really good supporting casts. Like it looks like what they really run is they have a couple of big players, uh, like on Rice, they have the fella from Montenegro. And um, at U of H, they have Daniel Laverne. He's from Houston. Um, But those guys are both ballers. And their offense kind of runs through those guys. And so they have some supporting players that are still pretty good. But uh, you always got to keep your eye on those guys because they're able to uh, take advantage of one or even two of your players at a time. So, you know, that's really the strategy is to watch out for those guys.
0: Right. And and you you made it uh, you implied that, you know, the players on most of the other teams in the state, and uh, I assume that that actually brings some um, a, a little bit of intensity to the rivalries, no matter who the team might be. Absolutely,
2: man. Yeah, we, uh, you know, all outside of the pool, we're all chummy and uh, good friends, and like I said, I've played with and against some of these guys for uh, the better part of a decade. Yeah. So you know, we're all good friends, but once we're in the pool it gets pretty intense and we all know, uh, we all know how competitive we can get. Uh, so yeah, everybody really brings it, uh, especially come conference and come these tournaments cause we only have so many games and, uh, so many chances to play against each other every year. So every time we're out here at these tournaments, um, you know, everybody's it all on the line, both teams, both sides the whole time. So it's, it's always a great competitive, uh, environment. But it's still nice to be friends with these guys outside of the pool. You know, we have a pretty small conference, and so um, it's good to be familiar with everyone and, you know, at least on speaking terms, if not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for for at least short periods of time, you know, then you might not be, but I get that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. so tell us a little bit about just the overall requirements. What your the load is on you as a member of a club team. Like you you, it's not the same as being on an NCAA team, but it does have challenges. Like people may not even understand. So give us a little flavor for what's your practice schedule. How does it uh, get on your? How is it that you have to rearrange your um your academic schedule if necessary? Just give yeah, us a well, little flavor. Uh...
2: We have five practices a week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Sundays. Um, And Sundays, we really like to get a good scrimmage in. And so, uh, you know, everybody, before the year starts, uh, obviously the freshmen can't do this, but before the year starts, uh, we know when our practice times are. So everybody kind of tries to register for classes around those times. Got it, yeah. And obviously you know, it's a club sport. So, uh, we kind of are a little more relaxed when it comes to, Hey, I got a big test tomorrow. I can't make practice or I got to leave practice. Cause I got to go study, you know, cause at the end of the day, we're all here to get degrees and playing water polo is more of a side hustle. Right. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people take it, uh, really seriously. I mean, obviously we have five practices a week. Um, and Having those practices every, uh, you know, five practices a week gives us uh, enough flexibility where everyone can make it out to at least two thirds, three fourths, five fifths of uh, all the practices. So it's uh, pretty flexible for, you know, the people that want it to be. And it offers enough practice time and pool time and, uh, you know, conditioning for the guys who really might be good enough to play in a division team to still be able to keep it competitive while going to a, you know, a team w- or a school without a division team. Right. So, um, I mean, that's kind of what attracts us or attracts a lot of good players to NM and Texas and all like that. So, uh, it's, it's been pretty nice. And like as an officer, uh, we have a little more responsibility and a little more of a time commitment. You know, we don't want to miss, uh, and this goes for me and all my officers. We all try and make it to every practice every week. And, um, you know, it's tough, but it's worthwhile, especially because we have to kind of run the practices. So uh, it's more important that we show up. But everyone between the five of us, everyone gets out there and uh, things have been running pretty smoothly for this season. And uh, not having a coach is another big um difference between division teams and a club team, because let me tell you, man, I don't know if you've ever been on a water polo team without a coach, but it is a pain to corral uh, 40 <laughs> people in a big pool with everyone yelling and everything's echoing and you're trying to run drills and this and that. Um, so that has totally added another level of difficulty, but one that I think most everyone on our team has uh, has overcome. Uh, everyone's cooperating. And like I said, uh, it's really about the teamwork, everybody putting the team ahead of themselves, you know? Uh, and so it's been, it's been a good year and it's really satisfying to see that pay off like it did this weekend and hopefully will in uh, a couple of weeks at conference.
0: That's right. Uh, it paid off in a way that you are the only undefeated team in the state of Texas and, and including sir, Louisiana state at eight and zero. Yeah. You earn the top seed for the upcoming Divisional Championships in Rice uh, in a couple weeks' time. Thank you so much for your time, Kinley. This was uh, really interesting to t- hear how the team has progressed over the year.
2: Yeah, James, I, uh, I really appreciate the interview.
0: Those are excerpts from a conversation I had with Kinley Foster of Texas A&M University earlier today. Double team. Deflection. Ball's loose. Yaustra. Ball game.
1: <laughs> You're listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast.
0: It's Joe and James closing out this collegiate club show. Um, there uh, are over 200 collegiate club teams, Joe, right? So, th- I mean, we wanted to make a comparison at least a little bit about what it's like um, to play both in collegiate water polo and NCAA water polo. But just the avail- availability might be surprising to some people.
1: Yeah, there's. I mean, there's about 200 plus collegiate club teams throughout the entire country. All of them play at various different levels. Um, there's probably what, about 50, 60 men's and yeah, and civil aid teams, about 70, 80 women's and civil aid teams. So there's plenty of opportunities for anybody that is looking to go play water polo in college to play. Just, it's just whatever level that you want to compete at. And, you know, I've, I mean I've even helped people start club teams at their colleges. Right. Cause all it is, is going to your, uh, department of rec sports and asking to start a club and then getting the word out and kind of getting some people. Normally what they'll do is give you a, a little bit of seed money to buy some goals, caps, balls. You can normally kind of, yeah, kind of work something out with the pool on campus to be able to get some practice time. And, uh, and then, and then, you know, it's kind of just kind of charge dues and get them going. And I mean, I can't stress enough, that, you know, water polo is a lifelong sport and, you know, it's just getting those kids to keep playing from whenever they, kind of finish up their age in a club or, or like kind of high school and kind of get, uh, and kind of keep them playing in college. And then they end up playing with master teams afterwards too.
0: Right. And the, uh, and it also offers a, uh young athletes the opportunity to to first of all find the right scholastic fit for themselves and then more than likely there'll be an opportunity for them to play water polo and if there isn't they can actually create it in the way that you just in the way you just mentioned yeah and then there's i mean also for the collegiate club size it gives some kids an
1: opportunity to do some. Things that they normally would not be able to do while they're in college. Like I got to coach a team and recruit athletes. I got to understand and handle money and get and do rental cars and in uh, hotels. We we even took an international trip to Mexico one time. And I mean, this was all as a as a like like an 18 to 22 year old. Right. And you don't see very many of those people doing that nowadays. So um, I learned some things along the way, and you know, and I uh, like I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I probably would not have. Kept coaching if yeah uh, if I did not do if I did not go down that route
0: yeah it gave you your start well you and I are colleagues in that way because I played for the mighty Georgetown Hoyas in 1995 I think one season um, getting my MBA back in DC and that was the same thing we'd get on the road and head down to uh, Washington Jefferson and all these great schools down there um, one more item before we get the heck out of here is uh is just a brief mention of the varsity season I wrote on total water polo that this is the most interesting men varsity season and i actually can remember over the weekend uc santa barbara entered the socal tournament ranked number one we talked about them before and then proceeded to lose twice um which uh, i i think was a bit of a surprise but their first loss was to ucla the home team so that's less of a surprise but then pacific they made the case for being Oh, at the very least, top four, which is what they were last week. But they have uh, they've made a good case that they could be number two even. And then Stanford went on to win the entire tournament, beating UCLA. So it's the most turnover that I've seen in an early season that I can actually even remember.
1: Yeah, and it's probably going to be different in in a, uh, like for this upcoming weekend. It's going to be different at the end of October
0: and. After everything's said and done, Cal is probably going to win the NCAA championship. <laughs> well, that is funny because you, you, you do say that. You say like, it's going to be different every weekend, but and that's the way it's been for, I mean, decades. Like These kinds of upsets or, or um, wins that you don't expect don't come very often, but all of a sudden we're just inundated with them. So we can only hope that the rest of the season is as interesting as, as it has been so far.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to watching some games along the way.
0: So. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that'll do it for today, I think, right? The Collegiate Club water polo, a little bit of Varsity water polo. And so if you like what you hear here, give us a good rating on whichever platform you use. Um, Off the Deck is very much back as a, as a podcast. So go listen to them. Listen to the Nearside Low whenever you get the chance And the Cross Pass podcast. There's a new one of those also. And you can find all of those on our homepage, and we want to hear from you. Um, you can email us at pod at txwaterpolo.com on twitter at txwaterpolo facebook txwaterpolo instagram tx underscore water polo, and on the web at txwaterpolo.com joe linehan thanks again we we, we completed yet another one all right take care Jim. you too thanks to all of you for listening and for telling a friend about the tx Waterpolo podcast until next week so long from austin